The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you. Be seated. Well, today is Resurrection Sunday, as you know, and it's the day that believers all over the world gather together to worship the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And what we do week in and week out is study books of the Bible, seeking to understand God's Word so that we can understand how to order our lives in response to Him. And we've been working through the book of Romans, and every time we come to a a special service like this, I always am questioning, should I just keep going through the book of the Bible, or do I do something a little different? And uh, I don't always necessarily get that decision right. I never will forget that a few years ago, we were out at Southern Trace, and I just dawned on me in the middle of the service, I'm preaching on the on the apocalyptic visions of Daniel on Easter Sunday. Uh, it was when we were working through Daniel, and I was like, maybe I made the wrong decision, but uh, I think we made it all right. Well, I may be the only one that's ever preached on Daniel in, on Easter. I now may be the only person who's ever preached on Romans 11, 1 through 10 on Easter, but we're going to do it. And as I studied this passage, I found great encouragement and great hope and I pray that you do as well. 11, 1 through 10 is a challenging passage. It mentions some aspects of the sovereignty of God that are just hard for us to understand and grasp in our human minds. I don't want that to distract you, though, because if we will just receive the fact that God is sovereign and we can't fully explain how His sovereignty is true, at the same time, we are real people making real decisions and responsible that both are true. If we'll just receive that truth and and wrestle with that on another day, there's tremendous encouragement in these passages for us today. And the encouragement comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. All through the book of Romans, Paul has been digging deep into a deep understanding of the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is a Greek word that simply means good news. Paul has been showing us the bad news, and then he shares the gospel of the good news of Jesus. The bad news is, Paul says in Romans 3, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes every single one of us. That everyone has sinned and fall short and lacks God's glory. He's kind of put us all in categories. He said, there's those who don't even pretend there's a God. We call them atheists or agnostic. He says they are ungodly and and fall short of the glory of God. But then he has the moralists. Those are those of us who who measure ourselves to others. We say, hey, I'm not as bad as that person, so I'm going to be okay with God. Or, Or we say, you know, as long as I do enough good deeds that'll outweigh my bad deeds, I'll be all right with God. Paul says, no way, that's not how it works. Nobody is going to be good enough on their own to be right with God. And then he takes the religious and he says, those who think that their religion is making them right with God, whether they are priests or preachers or church planners or are those who are in the church every time the doors are open, those who give lots of money and do lots of good deeds, if they're counting on those things to make them right with God, Paul says they're not going to make it. It doesn't make you right with God. And so he covers everyone. He says, all humanity... Me, you, every single person on the face of this earth that has ever lived falls short of the glory of God and needs a Savior. 
And he gives the good news that God provides a Savior. In Romans 5, 8, he says, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinning, notice he says that, not, not after we cleaned ourselves up, but while we were yet sinning, Christ died for us. In Romans 4.25, Paul says that Jesus was delivered over because of our sins and was raised for our justification. He was raised from the grave, enabling him to de- declare us righteous in God's eyes. In Romans 1.4, Paul speaks of the resurrection. He says that the resurrection, Jesus was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. And then in 10.9, he says... If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you believe this Easter message, then you will be saved. And that's the good news. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope in in any and every situation that we face. Paul was facing a very difficult situation. He was grieving. He was in despair. So much so that in verse 1, we're going to see of our text today, he says, God, have you rejected your people? Because he looks around at Israel, his brothers and sisters, his Jewish family, and for the most part, they rejected Jesus. When he arrived and said he was God's son, they said that's blasphemy, and they had him crucified on the cross. And so Paul is grieving this, and he asks God, is there any hope for my people? Maybe that's where you are today asking, God, is there any hope for me? Is there any hope that I might find grace today, this Easter service? Maybe you've lived a life that is so regretful that you just feel like you're beyond the grace of God. Or maybe you look at our country and you say, there is no hope. Well, here God has you here today for a reason to say, yes, there is hope. That's the resurrection message. What seems to be impossible is possible by the sovereign grace of God. So Paul asks the question, has God rejected his people? And he immediately responds, may it never be. There is always hope in the sovereign grace of God. Let's read, listen as I read Romans 11, 1 through 10. It says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be, for I too am an Israelite, Paul says, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, They have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars. And I alone am left. And they're seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way then there is... Also come to be at the present time a remnant according to the grace... According to God's gracious choice. But if it's by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works... Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. What then? What Israel is seeking it has not obtained. But those who were chosen obtained it. And the rest were hardened, just as it is written. 
God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not, ears to hear not, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs forever. Lord, would you be gracious and merciful to us and grant that we would find hope in your sovereign grace this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so in these passages, Paul is going to offer us hope in the sovereign grace of God. And he's going to look at three stories of grace. And he begins with one of the most powerful stories, and that's the story of his own life. Last week, we heard from Jeremy Fox about his story of how God in his grace intervened steps along the way, bringing this person into his life, this person moving him here next door to Granger and on until finally he's attending this church and his eyes are open to behold the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it has transformed his life, it's transformed his family, and it continues to do so. Here, Paul says... If you think there is no hope for you, if you think you are beyond grace, Paul says, think about me. As he asked the question, has God rejected Israel? He says, no, may it never be. I am an Israelite. I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Jew myself. And I have come to faith in Christ. So no, do not think you're beyond grace because look at Paul's life. Now, who is Paul? What is Paul's story? Let's think about the story of Paul and it will bring you great encouragement. See, nobody is beyond the reach of God's sovereign grace. In Acts, we read about Paul, just a little snippet to give you an idea. His name was Saul before God changed his life and changed his name to Paul. It says, now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's the Christian way, any Christians, if he found any Christians, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and it will be told what you must do. So not only did God not give up on Saul as he was going in his full zeal of his religion, doing everything he could to stamp out this blasphemous Jesus and his followers. He went to the high priest and said, give me a letter. I'm not going to sit by and watch these followers of Jesus make a mockery of God. He was zealous for this. He went out of his way. He made it his life mission to kill and imprison Christians, those who followed Christ. He was said in the scriptures to be the one holding the clothes of Stephen, the first martyr. That they were throwing stones and killing him. Why? Because he had committed a crime? No. Because he 
professed faith in Christ and was proclaiming the gospel. And Saul was holding his clothes, stood by, giving orders to have him killed. And so he goes and gets a letter. Let me go to Damascus and find any followers of the way there so I can imprison them and persecute them. But on the way, on the way, he encountered the sovereign grace of God. Not only did he not, not only did God not give up on Saul, but God pursued Saul. God went after Saul and he encounters him on the road to Damascus and he opens his eyes, he opens his ears and he reveals himself to Saul so that Saul comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God completely, radically changed this man so that now we know Paul as the greatest missionary of the gospel of all time. He took the hardest of hard hearts and he brought light of the gospel and faith in Jesus Christ in his hearts and turned him into the greatest missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says... That same Paul who wrote the Romans, the the letter Romans, is saying to you, you are not beyond the reach of God's grace. Look at my life, he says. So he's saying to us today, I don't care what you've done in your past. The point of the gospel is you can't be good enough to save yourself, to make yourself right with God. And so the flip side is true. You can't be bad enough to be unreachable by God's grace. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what type of debauchery, what type of wickedness, what type of filth. That life that is in your mind right now that you think I just don't want anyone to know about. You say, Pastor, you, you, you know... You say that no one's beyond... You don't know what I did. You don't know what I've done. And I'm telling you, you're right. I don't know. But God absolutely knows. And God's grace is available to you. God is pursuing you. God is saying, you don't have to run away from me anymore. I will save you, I will purchase you with my blood, I will transform you, I will pour my grace into your life and I will radically change you and I will bring healing to you, I'll bring healing to your relationships, I'll bring peace to your heart and your mind and your soul and I'll make you new and I'll change your name forever. You'll be a child of God. So no matter what you've been through, Paul says, look at my life and know there is always hope in the sovereign grace of God. After pointing to his own life to give us hope, next he points to Elijah. This comes in verses 2 through 6. Paul says that God has not rejected his people Israel whom he, or his people whom he knew. Excuse me, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. And then he goes on to say, or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah? And so he points to the Old Testament story of Elijah. And what is that story where he says Elijah was looking out at Israel, looking out at his country, at his people. 
And he lived in a time where they refused to worship God. The leaders of Israel were leading the people of God. Instead of worshiping God, they said, let's worship Baal. They were leading the country to worship a false god. And God had Elijah as his spokesperson. And Elijah was was basically under a one-man battle, him against the, the rest of the people, saying, repent, turn back to the Lord. And Elijah, looking at his country, is filled with despair and grief. And he's depressed. And he feels all alone. And so he says to God what seems to be the, the, the truth in his own mind. He says, they've killed your prophets. They've torn down your altars. And I alone am left. And now they're seeking my life. Do you ever feel that way? You ever look at our country in this time of political season and think, what in the world is going on? I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, or whatever party there is. If you ever just stop and think, what is going on in our country? And do you despair? Despair the fact that To proclaim Christ seems to be the only thing that is not tolerated anymore. You despair the fact that there is no moral integrity in our country. Do you despair the the fact that you look around and every time you turn the news on or read your your blogs, all you hear about is the terrorist attack and, and when is the next one coming? Do you wonder where is God's hope and his grace in all of this? That's exactly where Elijah is. As he says, I am the only believer. And what is the divine response to him? God says, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In other words, no, I am still sovereignly saving people By my grace. Make no mistake about it. God in the scripture says that God holds the hearts of kings in his hands. He is the ruler of the universe. He is not sitting in heaven wringing his hands hoping the right politician makes it into the office. He is sovereign and he is gracious and he is passionately pursuing those whom he has foreknown. Those in our minds, we don't know exactly who and how they became the ones that he will save. Here's if you wonder, will God save me? Let me tell you how you know if he foreknew you. Let me tell you how you know if he's chosen to save you. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the man's perspective. All we know is that if I call on Jesus, I will be saved. From God's perspective, he knows everything. How can we pretend he doesn't know who will be saved? How can we pretend he's not sovereign? The point is this, that God is sovereign, God is gracious, and he is passionately pursuing those who will put their faith in Jesus Christ. The only question is, will you trust in Christ and experience His grace? As you look around the country, as you look around people, and you see the hardening of hearts, and you see the rejection, and you see the the complete erosion of the moral fabric of our people, and you wonder, 
Is God still graciously saving? Yes. God will keep his promises. God promised Abraham, I will restore my glory on earth. I will establish my righteous kingdom. How? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved and Christ will return and he will create a new heavens and a new earth and he will establish his glorious kingdom of grace on this earth. And who will be there? All who worship the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. He is faithfully working. Don't lose hope. You can always trust that God is faithful. So he gives us hope by looking at his own life, saying, look what God did in my life. He gives us hope by pointing to Elijah who felt that it all was lost in his country. And he says, no, God is still saving his people by grace. And finally, we have a little bit different view of grace. It's the more difficult side of grace. In our third picture of God's grace, Paul gives us hope by highlighting God's sovereign grace in dealing with unbelievers. Look at verse 7. Verse 7, he says, What then? What Israel is seeking, it has not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. So Paul is saying that when Israel sought righteousness through their religious efforts, they failed to obtain it because it's only attained by grace through faith in Christ. And in the midst of this, Paul says that the chosen found righteousness by grace, but the rest were hardened in their hearts. From God's perspective, he knows exactly. From man's perspective, it depends on what you do with Christ. And what Paul is saying is that God is sovereign even over unbelievers. And that when a person rejects Christ and they harden their hearts, God uses even that for his glory, even that for his purposes. When it comes to Israel and they rejected him, it says that he hardened them as a people so that he moved on to the Gentiles. And then what does it say next week in Romans 11? He says the coming in of the Gentiles will be used to move the Jews to jealousy so that he can then extend his grace to the Jews. And so God is sovereign over all of this, that God is faithful to use even the wicked acts of unbelievers. We see this in the narratives of of Moses delivering Israel out of Egyptian bondage. What happens when Moses goes to Pharaoh as God told him? God said, tell him to let my people go, but he's not going to let them go. And it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart against God. And it says God hardened his heart further. And what happened? As Pharaoh resisted and dug his heels in and it got harder and harder, the plagues got more miraculous, more glorious. And it says, God says, I'm using his hardness of heart to display my glory and grace to the nations. And so God is not thwarted by the resistance of unbelievers. God is not stopped by his opponents. And here Paul points to a quote from Isaiah. It says, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not, 
ears to hear not, down to this very day. He's speaking of Israel when they were not believing. And he says, listen, God, give up on them. Then he says, no, I'm not giving up on them. I'm using their unbelief to bring them to repentance so that they might experience the grace of God. And then Paul quotes King David in his psalm where he says about the enemies of God, let their table become a snare and let them stumble and let them... Let their eyes be darkened and let them bend their backs forever. Here David is calling God against the enemies of God, demonstrating again that God's sovereign grace covers even his enemies. He says, though they stiffen their necks and they arch their backs like rebellious children continually, they cannot stop God from dealing graciously with those he intends to save. Who does he intend to save? Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord. Whoever will call on the name of the resurrected Lord will be saved. So in these verses we see God passionately, sovereignly pursuing people with his grace. I can't explain it. I have no idea how to make sense of a sovereign God, yet we are still absolutely accountable and responsible for our free will and our decisions. But that's the truth of the scriptures. And what does that mean for you today? On a day where you might have just thought it's another traditional Easter, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to do the family thing, I'm going to go to lunch, I'm going to take a good nap, I'm going to have a big meal. And it didn't dawn on you to think, why were you born in this country? Why were you born in this city? Why were you born to that family? Why are you married to that person? Why is that your parents? Why did they have you here today? Perhaps you see it now that it's no accident that you're sitting right there right now. And now you see it. God is pursuing you with his grace. And perhaps you're sitting there like Paul and you're thinking, you don't know what I've done. And God wanted you to hear this. It doesn't matter anymore. You can't outsin the grace of God. Or perhaps you're sitting there thinking, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And you needed the encouragement to know, no, God is saving by grace every single day. The only thing that matters today is what do you do with Jesus? Will you receive his grace by humbly bowing the knee in faith to the resurrected Lord Jesus, admitting your need to be saved by grace alone and allowing him to be your Lord, ruler of your life, living for his glory from this day forward? Or will you once again harden your heart to this glorious gospel message? If so, I warn you, God is sovereign. 
Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your holy scriptures, which teach us of your sovereign grace, that in your sovereign grace you brought each of us here this morning. It's not random. It's not happenstance. But somehow, mysteriously, in and through our decisions and our marriages and our families and our traditions, you put us here, right here, to hear this gospel message. To see that you are pursuing us by your grace. And Lord, I pray every heart will relent and trust in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we open the altar during this time of singing, I pray that people will do business with you all over this room. I pray that you do business with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will turn to him right now. You don't have to wait for something formal. You in the quiet privacy of your own mind and heart can turn to Jesus and submit to his glory, his power as Lord. Call him and say, yes, Lord, give me your grace. I call on your mercies. I desperately need your righteousness, which I cannot achieve. I need it by grace through faith in Jesus alone. Do business with the Lord as we open the altar and sing about this grace. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.